Hello and welcome to another episode of Lie, Cheat, and Steal, the podcast about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. I'm your host, Pat Soroyce. With me, as always, my co-host, Kath Barbadoro. Hi, Pat. How you doing? I'm doing good. I am uh, sequestered off in a hotel room in eastern Pennsylvania right now, getting ready to drive to New York tomorrow. And they put me in this hotel room, and I rolled up, and it is the handicap accessible one, so it's big as shit. So. Hell yeah. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah. yeah, very excited. I worked pretty hard for it, so. Um, yeah, it was cool. I I, uh, I, I drove in from, uh, I was in Columbus last night, and then I had to take one of my tour mates to the hotel, or to the, the airport at like four, and I was like, well, I could go back to the hotel, and I could just go back to sleep till like 11 or whatever, or I can just start driving now and get like to the next city I got to go to and get off the road by two o'clock in the afternoon, and I did that, and it felt really good. Amazing. Congrats. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks driving as opposed to riding because there's like a lot of pretty shit to look at, and when you're driving, mm. you just can't pay attention to it. So it's not people. All I feel like people fun. don't necessarily know that about Pennsylvania. That Pennsylvania is actually very beautiful to drive. Oh yeah, I was driving to the Poconos, and it's just like it's insanely nice. Yeah, yeah, big fan. Yeah, I've been lucky. I've been in a lot of really good looking states lately. I was up in like the I was up in the Northwest, where like right when like leaves started changing, and uh, mm. yeah, I've been. Uh, I've been having some luck. So, uh, yeah, beautiful country. Things are going good out there moving around. I am close enough to the East Coast that I ordered pizza from, like, a non-chain place <laughs> this time. And it fucking is banging, so it's good. It hit good the pizza spot? in the hotel room. Nice. What's that? It hit the spot? Oh, man, yeah, it hit the spot. And I got, I got, like, I got like, two-thirds left, too, so it's about to hit the spot later also. So. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, but yeah, he's out there, out there moving around, getting ready to be in New York tomorrow. Uh, that's going to mm-hmm. be a real fun one. And just uh, yeah, kind of moving around out there in the uh, the old uh, old forty eight connected. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I I'm um, recording from my new house, so uh, I'm finally done moving, and I'm in my new apartment. But uh, to our listeners, if it sounds echoey, it's because I'm in my new apartment and I uh, had a bedroom's worth of furniture that is now spread out over an entire apartment. So it is it's oh. a little echoey in here because it's uh, it's a little empty, but I'm uh, yeah, I'm that's... really excited about it. So, well, yeah. so I know you're probably going to get set to like fill that thing back up, making it livable. I. Uh, I, over the years, every time I've recorded in my apartment, it's always just so echoey because I have nothing. <laughs> like, I just... <laughs> no, I'm. Uh, my mom is coming down this weekend, and we're gonna go shopping for some stuff. She's gonna bring her car so I can actually like cart stuff back to the apartment. But uh, oh, that's but cool. Yeah, yeah. it's. Uh, I, I'm, in, it's... I'm in New York tomorrow night, and I'm just like, I found out like we get we're getting a hotel room like early enough to just drop the car off. I'm like, thank God, because I had to park anywhere in New York. I it's a just... nightmare. Yeah, it's yeah, no I was just good. driving to the fucking river. <laughs> it's it's really no good. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you're up in the East Coast right now, uh, especially because the story that I'm about to tell you today is uh, it's a local story for me. It's about uh, Long Island, the uh, the hey. 51st state. Um, it's uh, <laughs> it's its own world out there, Long Island. It is it is yeah. wild. It has its own. I'm gonna culture, be there on sure. the on the 10th. I mean, I'm doing a show out there. Where where are you doing a show? Uh, it's at a brewery, uh, Riverhead, Port Hampton, Springville. Yeah, like <laughs> one of those, one of those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this story is about is about uh, our neighbor, my neighbors to the east, Long Island. Although technically, um, I live in Brooklyn. That is, I am technically on Long Island. I'm on the very end of it. Um, 
But yeah, this is a story about uh, the Islanders hockey team. Are you a hockey fan, Pat? No, I am not. There's a lot of French Canadians running around that league, though. Uh, yeah, I kind of thought are. maybe you would have some kind of connection because you're because you're French Canadian. Oh but, well, uh, like, like my cousins are very big hockey fans. Like my cousin Michael, uh, for example, him and all his groomsmen came out at his wedding wearing Hartford Whalers jerseys, uh, okay. clapping along to the brass bonanza, <laughs> the b d d d d d d. And my cousin Randy is like the Doc Ellis of. Uh, travel teams in for hockey in Connecticut in the sense that he took like a couple hits of acid before a game and scored like four goals. <laughs> <laughs> that is a See, classic cousin activity. That is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my cousin Randy is the is the most cousin and the most Randy. He's a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> of all people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um well yeah, I mean this this only really gets into one sort of crooked element of uh of the NHL, but yeah. Is hockey teeth? Is- hey hockey yeah i mean that that is one as well it is it is a sport full of colorful characters and uh more than a few scammers and uh chief among them i think this maybe is the most notable one in recent history um i'm going to talk to you about this guy named john spano who uh this was a this was big news in the mid 90s if you're a, a hockey fan or around hockey fans you might have heard of it um he attempted to buy the islanders do you know anything about any of this no, no, I don't. Okay. This is uh, this is new. All I know is in the '90s that the Hartford Hartford lost the Whalers, and my family was devastated. I know that. Much. I bet. Yeah. I mean, well, that kind of plays into this story is that a lot of why this was allowed to happen was because Long Island did not want to lose the Islanders, and uh, they were definitely at risk of losing them. So um, to sort of set the scene here, uh. The, the Islanders were, in the 80s, especially the early 80s, massively successful. They were, um, they won four Stanley Cups in a row, and um, they actually have the longest winning streak in all of sports history, in any sport. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, they won um, 19 playoff games in a row, which is crazy. So Oh, yeah, um, no, that, that is insane. Damn, go get them. I, I had no clue. I, I knew they were... It was one of those things where, like, if I like, if there's something that makes it out of hockey, I know it's pretty popular. And like, mm-hmm. I know that, like, I saw a lot of like, I've seen a lot of Islanders jerseys, so it's like, I, I know they're mm-hmm. they're probably commanding some some love out there. Yeah, I had a roommate in college who um, was from Staten Island, and he had one of the old Islanders jerseys. I remember that he used to wear all the time. Um, where the fact that I say old Islanders jerseys are as old and new, which we're gonna get into as well. But um, yeah, so in the in the early '80s, they were crazy successful um the streak uh this is like how good they were is like so their their 19 game streak they were finally um they finally lost a streak uh to the edmonton oilers who um their sort of star player was a young uh wayne gretzky so like Uh, that's how that's what it took that's what yeah yeah (laughs) so um this was like huge for um, people who grew up in in this area um, at the time because this was like the one sports team that you didn't have to go into the city to go see. So um, the Islanders played at uh, the Nassau Coliseum, which is in Long Island. So it's like the one sort of big arena and the one team that isn't based in New York City. And I and oh yeah. As you, 
as you may have guessed, like people on Long Island have a very sort of love hate relationship with New York City. So like the fact that they could have this thing that was like their identity and their team made people like so ride or die for the Islanders. And then the fact that they were also great, like this was just like, these were guys who like lived in their community. Like they were local heroes. It was a huge deal. You know? Yeah, I my 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 um, my, my, my town, That's what we used to call aunt in French Canadian. But my town, she lived she lived in Hartford during, or she was like a bartender in Hartford during the seventies. Mm-hmm. And her and my uncle would say how like there was just bars that the that the whalers would hang out at, and it was just yeah. they were just like the kings of the city. And like yeah. I could I could see that being very similar because it's just Long Island. They have like their thing that it's like the one team they can watch down the street. I, yeah, I can imagine those guys got tons of love. Oh yeah, they were they were just absolutely beloved. Um, but unfortunately, there the tide sort of turned for them by the mid '80s, and the the team their record started to decline, and um, they and thus they sort of lost a lot of their revenue because people stopped coming to see them. The the Nassau Coliseum where they played like got pretty dingy and and wasn't updated, and there were some problems with um, management and ownership. Um, that a lot of fans were really unhappy with. So um, one of the things that happened, uh, I think this was in the early 90s, they changed the logo and they, apparently it was like an attempt to um, like bring in fans from the uh, eastern part of Long Island. So like the western part of Long Island is like very sort of densely packed suburbs. It's sort of what you think of when you think of somebody from Long Island. It's a lot of like... Yeah middle-class and upper-class um, Jewish uh, neighborhoods and Italians and that kind of stuff. And then more toward the eastern side is a lot more kind of, it's maritime. It's like fishing communities and stuff. Uh-huh. So, and it's more rural. So in in an effort to sort of appeal to the eastern side of Long Island, they changed their um, logo to have this sort of like old fisherman on it. And uh, people it's hated like it. A guy sitting on a porch. <laughs> like, it's like an old guy with a raincoat on, and like people hated it so much. They were like, "This is the fucking fish stick man." Like, this is the Gordon. Yeah, the Fisherman. Gordon's fisherman. That's exactly like, what fuck I was thinking. This. <laughs> people hated it so much. They started a lobbying, a like fan-derived uh, lobbying group called the Save the Islanders campaign. That basically just like yelled at the owners to make the team better. They were just like, "Make us win more. We hate this." And uh, yeah, so if like, I had to have like a vocal, like like an, uh, an outspoken group against me, I would just hate for it to have anything to do with Long Island because yeah. I just feel like there's just that much more outspoken. <laughs> Those people are like the masters of complaining. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're gonna get near. Yeah. Oh man, you just like, open as soon as you open the door and walk out of the border, like fuck you, buddy. Look at me. Logo yeah. looks like shit, dude. Yeah, yeah. For real. For real. Um. So yeah, like there's a lot of discontent at this point, and the team isn't doing well. Um. And so that brings us up to uh, the mid '90s. Most of the stuff takes place in '96 and '97. So the owner at this point is this guy John Pickett, who. He's owned the team for like 18 years, but for the last decade, he's been pretty absent. He has like not really been um, an attentive owner and there's a lot of kind of discontent um, around him. And so he's getting ready to sell the team and in comes the, 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 you know, the anti-hero of our story, this guy, John Spano. So John Spano is, um, he was originally born in New York. 
uh, but he spent most of his um, formative years in Ohio. He grew up in Ohio. And then um, he went to Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. Um, he worked a few sales jobs in Pittsburgh and Dallas, and then um, founded uh, a firm called the Bison Group in 1990, which was a, um, a leasing equipment leasing company primarily focused on leasing aircraft, leasing planes. Um, so John Spano, his dream was to own a hockey team. Like he... He played football himself as a kid, but um, going to school in Pittsburgh, he went to go see a bunch of Penguins games and he got like hooked. He was like, I love hockey. I want to own a hockey team. Um, unfortunately, he did not have nearly enough money to own a hockey team. Yeah, but that'll get you. That's he was really not going to let this stop him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just I love if it wasn't for that 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 idea of somebody being like, you know what, I don't have the money or the know how or the potentials to do any of this, but I'm still gonna do it. We wouldn't have a job. And I really appreciate that yeah. element of the human psyche. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. you know, that it's that kind of denial of reality mixed with uh craven ambition that keeps us in business. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this guy, he just like he really wanted to own a hockey team and he before he gets in touch with John Pickett to buy the Islanders, he had tried to buy a few other hockey teams. So he first he tries to buy the Dallas Stars um, and, and that falls through. And then he tries to buy uh, the Florida Panthers. That never goes anywhere. Um, how much money but, did how much money is he putting down on these things? <laughs> like it's like I know it's a lot of money. It's, it's so much money to the point where like having anything less than that amount of money is just laughable. So it's like he's like rolling in like. I got $42,000. Give me the dolphins. <laughs> it is it is incredible the like lack of credentialing they did for him. It is it is crazy. But we're going to get into sort of the specifics of it. Um but I I do want to sort of the reason he was able to even get these meetings with these people, there's a few reasons. One of them is that so like I said, he owned this company called the Bison Group that leased aircraft so because of that, he could travel around on a private jet because he owned the leasing company. So like, oh, yeah, <laughs> he and like he had he had a really nice house in Dallas. He was like a member of the country club. Like he was like yeah. very well connected. And he gave the impression of somebody who had a lot of money. And then he like met all of these people who also had a lot of money. And so nobody ever really questioned it. Meanwhile, yeah, he was like, like pulling the pulling the dumb and dumber when he like leans out the out the the limousine, you know, he's like that with the plane, he's like parks it, yeah. and, like, shouts to the <laughs> pilot that's not there, hey, pull it around back and like discreetly clips off the little wing on his hat. <laughs> exactly. That's like I that's like pretty much what he was doing. Like he was acting like he owned this uh, you know, he owned his own plane, but really it was the company's leased one and then he like you know, he lived in this like multi-million dollar house, but he was up to his ears in a mortgage. And, you know, he was just like totally living in, in massive debt. And then also, you know, it is refreshing. This is not even refreshing because it happens a lot, but it's always nice to see someone with way more money than I have also not have enough money to live out their dreams. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It is relatable. It is relatable. It's the scale is different, but, um, yeah, but yeah. So like, well, this is what is so weird about this too, is like, he basically just sort of blended into this part of society. And so nobody ever questioned it, but I watched a documentary in which he is interviewed 
And he has, like, no charm, no, like, charisma at all. Like, he's just this, like, kind of dull nerd. And I'm like, why did anybody, like, why was he friends with all these people? Like, he sucks. He's, like, boring. There's, like, a level of vanilla where, like, you'll meet a guy like that and you're like, this guy fucking sucks. But then you, when he's hanging out with, like, those ghouls, they're just like, this is the most lively person I've ever met. You know, like, he just knocks their socks off. Yeah, I I guess so, because, like, yeah, people just sort of assumed he was in the same income bracket as everybody around him because he was around them. And and that's yeah. kind of how it worked when you tried to buy the Dallas Stars. Like he was he was introduced to the owner of the Stars through like a, a close and very rich friend. And so he just like thought that, you know, everything was copacetic. And then during the negotiations for him to buy the Stars, um, the guy the guy who owned them is named Jim was named Jim Lights or Lites, I don't know, but Jim Lights is um he goes to to visit John Spano at his um, mansion in Dallas and he gets there and he, he goes inside and he realizes the house is like unfurnished. Like there's not furniture in there, <laughs> which is just like classic, like, you know, keeping up appearances, like don't yeah, actually it's like a literal new. facade. Yeah, totally. And like he also mentions that like one time he and Spano went out for lunch um, to talk about the potential sale and Spano didn't pick up the tab, which is like insane for somebody who's trying to buy the team, you know, like, yeah, right. <laughs> he just, just like, yeah, he just gets that bill. He's like, let's see, I only had some of the salad. So I guess I'm just not going to get the salad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just like, yeah, stuff like that. So like something was amiss. Um, the, the sale falls through with the stars. Um, he they just like can't really come to an agreement. Um, the Panthers that the owner just ultimately decides not to sell. So he didn't really get found out there, but, um, yeah. So cut to October, 1996, um, Spano agrees to buy the Islanders from John Pickett. They, uh, settle on a price of $165 million. Um, so 80 million of that is for Pickett's 90% stake in the team. And then, um, the other 85 million is for, um, this like very lucrative cable TV contract they had for Aaron Gates. Oh yeah, those those regional teams, man. As a guy that used to sell like shitty cable packages to people, like those regional yeah. teams, that's like a huge sell. Where you're like, oh, what's that? You like the the Charlotte <laughs> the Charlotte Bobcats? It's like it's a weird ass team, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, then you can sell them like the Carolina package and shit. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah, especially in 1996, like pre-internet, pre, um, you yeah. know, like the just. No streaming, you know. So, yeah, they had with Sports Channel New York, which is, like, the local cable package, this this deal earned the Islanders, like, millions of dollars every year. And uh, so that was also very valuable. Um, yeah, so he eventually also agreed to buy the remaining 10% stake um, that this management group had in the Islanders. So he was going to wholly own them. And, um, yeah, he said, you know, I'm a, I'm... The other thing that's so crazy about all of this... Spano was 32 years old when he was doing this. Like, Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Insane. Not what I needed to hear today. <laughs> well, I mean, don't let him, uh, you know, make you feel not accomplished because he also didn't accomplish anything. He was just like. Yeah, okay. You know, he was lying. Fair. So don't worry about it. Um, yeah, I'm going to leave here. As soon as we're done recording, I'm going to just wander out to this, this, this eastern Pennsylvania town and just lie to people and make myself feel better. <laughs> Give it a shot. Um if, yeah. if, there, if this if these episodes have taught us anything, it's that that always works out well. So yeah, yeah. Give it a shot. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so like he he basically says like, look, I'm I'm a an entrepreneur from Dallas. I own this um, this equipment leasing firm that I have built into a portfolio of like a dozen companies. I have six thousand employees. Um, also, I I have a bunch of family money. Um, I I've inherited a lot of, of hundreds of millions of dollars from uh, my grandfather. And um, yeah, he basically just used kind of what he had as collateral and just said. He said he owned his house, which he didn't. He was in. He had a mortgage and everything. He had. Yeah. Dead. Is he? Is he married? He is married, and there. It is really unclear to me, based on what I read and what I watched, what his wife thinks of all of this. Although once everything falls apart for him, she does divorce him. So I don't know what's going yeah. on there. But yeah, because I like a story like this. I'm just like, oh, this this is like there's too much unaccompanied male in this or un- unsupervised male in this story. I was like, who's yeah. in charge of this guy? <laughs> well, that also like so I watched a thirty for thirty on him and. Um, the 30 for 30 was produced by Kevin Connolly, a.k.a. E from Entourage. So, like, it's a little, like, I don't know. It's funny because, like, E from Entourage is who is interviewing this guy. And it's like, these are just two scumbags. Like, I can just yeah. think are both gross. But, like, one e of the things even, that... E, e, e didn't even think to ask if he was married until, like, four weeks into production. He's like, oh, do you have a wife or something, dude? <laughs> He's like, yeah. Well, just, no, but, like, there's a kind of a gross part in the 30 for 30 where somebody's basically, like... We thought he was rich because he had a hot wife. Like, his wife was uh, as attractive. That was, like, part of the package of, like, he has this nice house. He has a nice car. He has a very beautiful wife. And he's, like, kind of, he is a nebbishy. Like, he's 32, but he's already bald. Like, he's not, yeah. you know, like, he, he he was punching above his weight as far as his marriage was concerned. So that was another <laughs> reason that people thought he was he was more wealthy than he was. Oh, that would have to be like the next phase of like billionaire worship, you know, like when like like you know like you know, uh, uh, Warren Buffett says you got to make passive income in your sleep or however like they try to emulate billionaire behavior or whatever. <laughs> like he's like a bunch of crypto dudes just with like really ugly girls. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's a, that's actually a new thing. They're kind of like the NFTs of people, and I'm getting yeah. it on the ground floor. <laughs> it's true, it's true. It's the new, it's a new trend. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's like drinking unfiltered water and just <laughs> dating well below your your your, your uh, weight class. Yeah, it actually is a form of a flex. People don't realize. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so also, if there's um, any billionaire women listening right now. I will be your ugly. <laughs> your, your, I will be your ugly NFT person. <laughs> so um, yeah, so he agrees to to by this team and, and he he tells them all this stuff he is also of course like he is falsifying documents attesting to his net worth so it's not like all just based on word of mouth like he is also committing uh wire fraud like that is also happening yeah. <laughs> uh, that good old no scheme is complete without a little bit of wire fraud yeah people love it people love to uh make uh false documents and then wire them it's their favorite thing <laughs> can't get enough of that shit <laughs> Um, and it, it seems like he was even kind of doing this before he was buying the team, like this sort of misrepresentation of his of his wealth. Um, but yeah, yeah that, so that seems like he didn't just wake up and start doing this one day. He's probably been he's probably been lying. I mean, he he probably locked down that wife they're so impressed by with a couple of uh, dishonest uh, plays as well. I think that's probably true. And I also think we're going to talk about what he does after, like in his post Islanders life. And it, it seems like this guy has a problem with. The <laughs> he truth. probably told like, her he, he already owned a hockey team. Right. And now he's like, <laughs> oh, fuck. 
<laughs> gotta make yeah, good fuck. on this. I told her, yeah, I told her I owned the Dallas Stars, but I think I could buy the Islanders. I don't think she'll notice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, he agrees to buy the team, and and like I said, like Islanders fans are like desperate for new blood and a change, so they yeah. are like thrilled. They like love this guy. He becomes like a celebrity on Long Island, and um, yeah, so it like you know it starts being reported that he's a potential buyer. And his big thing was he was like, I am not going to move the Islanders. They are going to stay on Long Island. And that was like a, a condition for Pickett to sell to. He was like, I really, this team is in trouble and they really are at risk of being taken somewhere else. And I really don't want that to happen. So, yeah. So people on Long Island like love this guy because they're like, he's going to save our team, you know? And yeah. um, so they like, they, they meet to sign the agreements this isn't the closing but it's sort of the preliminary contracts where like everybody sort of states their intention to to yeah. have this go forward and um at, like he it seemed like spano was sort of playing this shell game where like he sort of intimated that Pickett, the owner was doing the vetting to the league and then he told the league that like he, he told Pickett that the league was doing the vetting and then he told the league that Pickett was doing the vetting. And so nobody really oh, vetted him. So misdirect. Yeah. Jeez, so everybody I, just sort I of assumed I, everyone else was doing the work and no one yeah, was doing God. it. And so it's so heartbreaking to think of how sad these Long Islanders are going to be when they find out their hero is dishonest. I know, right? It's really gonna, <laughs> yeah. it's really gonna bum them out. Oh, you guys love this guy? Well, sit down because he committed check fraud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he d- he did what you do in a bar every weekend on a grand scale, talking to yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they they're all just like, okay, everything everything looks good, and like he'd showed them enough sort of fraudulent pieces of paper that they're like, all right, we assume the other guy's doing the background check, so here we go. Um, but, <laughs> you just pull enough papers out of enough briefcases. Pretty much. <laughs> Eventually, it'll just solve the problem. <laughs> that's what it seems like, and this was like pre sort of internet, like everything being connected. It was still all faxes and shit, so they, you know, yeah. it's just like easier to stay one step ahead so i have to constantly remind myself to not be impressed by a briefcase (laughs) (laughs) if if i'm not on my p's and q's that will sweep me off my feet yeah it uh and these are hockey people it's not like you know they're very impressed (laughs) by a briefcase i think (laughs) they're just like all like gathered around his briefcase like it's the fucking like it's the uh the totem from like uh 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 damn it uh, 2001 it's like yeah <laughs> they're just like <laughs> running up to it and touching it and getting powers and shit <laughs> but yeah so they sit down to uh to sign the agreements everybody assumes he's been vetted um but they like there's one guy from the league who who in this in this 30 for 30 is talking about like we were reading through the contracts and we realized there isn't a down payment on this at all like at least not for these agreements like there's money due at closing, but there's no down payment now. And that is nerve wracking to me. I think he should pay a down payment. Um, and so he asked him for uh, $5 million out of $160 million. And uh, he <laughs> obviously declines because that is more money than he is worth. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I still... Like seven or eight years and I got you. Still, despite the fact that he says no down payment... Uh, 
they let it go through and they overrule the suspicious guy and they're like the the thing that he just keeps saying like through all of these sort of pre- preliminary meetings that like all of the league people say is they're just like we we just thought that his money was so complicated to reach because he was so sophisticated of a businessman. Like we just yes. thought it was tied up in other investments or like in the Caymans or something. And it would just be so hard for him to get out. Like that's the thing he says a lot where he's like, well, if I withdraw the money now, the tax penalties are going to be really bad because I'm a high level oh, businessman. And it's just, it's just like a, a guy trying to like get everybody to give him cash while he buys something on his parents' debit card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it is, so bananas. So, um, yeah, he's he's just, he, he finds his way out of it. They overrule him. And this happens a few other times where it's like, this guy should have paid you and he, he didn't and you still kept going because, again, like, everybody's kind of desperate for this to go through. So... Yeah, and, 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 yeah at this point, like, like everybody, like, I'm sure... After you after you override the one voice of reason and suspicion, now you can't go back because you know you look like an idiot. But yeah. it's, just, it's just so funny, like the like finance in America, where it's like, well, no, no, if he if he would have produced that five million dollars that day, that would have been a red flag. It made sense that he didn't have it on hand. <laughs> right? Yeah, he is simply too sophisticated a businessman to have to be able yeah, to have, yeah, get that yeah. money. Yeah, I see somebody just pull out five million at a business meeting where it's required of them, and all I think is new money. You know? Right? Exactly. The the truest businessmen are totally over leveraged and can't move yeah. any of their money because they're too busy doing deals. Yeah, that's man. That's I, I'm telling you. If anyone out there is wealthy, please just let me into your social circle for three weeks. I'll be set for life. I'll take care <laughs> of this shit. Yeah, you do well for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like another thing that's like so funny about this to me is so even before the closing, like I said, he is embraced by Islanders fans. He is like meeting with the team. He is you know getting ready to take over. And he has a, a lot of clashes with their coach, with their head coach, um, who is, I can't remember his name, but um, he's, he's a very sort of like fiery guy. Like he's known for sort of being a little bit, uh, a little bit um, tough and kind of ornery. And he, he and Spano like f- are fighting a lot. And so even before the official closing, Spano fires him from his job as head coach. He stays on as a GM, but he's, he's no longer coaching, which like, that must have been so frustrating, but also vindicating when Spano got caught of like, they let this guy fire me. Like, what yeah, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> because we didn't get along. Like, this yeah, fucking yeah. criminal. It's so funny to me. Um, but yeah, so he's like kind of already already taken over. And like, chans, uh, fans are chanting like, save us Spano and stuff at games. Like, they're they're ready for him. He's He's a celeb on Long Island. Um, yeah, yeah, you can't tell him nothing about this guy at this point, you know, like, like yeah. it's, it's almost yeah. like he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and, and not lose any support. <laughs> Precisely. So um, the closing date is fast approaching. And, and again, the agreed upon price is $165 million. Um, so the first thing he does is he borrows half of that money, $80 million, from Fleet Bank in Boston and he says uh, in, in the 30 for 30, he said, it was easier to get that $80 million than it was to get my first car loan. It was ridiculous. <laughs> they gave me that money so quickly and with like no oversight. And yeah, uh, man, that's, 
Yeah, that's yeah. so crazy. As someone who, like, I, I stayed out of, like, financing just a bunch of shit just for years. Just because I was like, hey, I probably don't have the credit for that. And be like, I don't know, I just like not having, like, it's monthly expenses and stuff. dangerous. And yeah, I it's oft- very dangerous. I, yeah, and I oftentimes forget, like, how easy it is. Like, I'm like, even me, I'm like, I don't look that great on paper. And, like, I'll walk into places, like, yeah, we don't give a shit. Like, what do you want? Like, come here. And, like, it always shocks me. I'm like, oh, I know the system is broken because... Y'all shouldn't even be giving me the time of day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, the thing is, like, you're not great on paper, but that means they can charge you all these late fees and all these, all yeah, this interest. Yeah, yeah. And, like, they want you to not pay it back on time. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that's a solid point. As long as you don't die. And even then, when you die, they just start bothering your family for it. So, you know. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's evil. <laughs> well, too bad. Well, two jokes on them. I'm the picture of health. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, so, so he gets this $80 million and, uh, you know, that the fact that he was able to get that money so quickly further bolstered his legitimacy with the league and with the Islanders people. So it just becomes this like perpetual motion cycle of like, well, this guy thinks he's legit. So this guy thinks he's legit. So this guy thinks he's legit. Like it's That's like the, the, the Fox news commentator that we talked about who, had no business like commenting on terrorism or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was like once he was in and one person vouched for him and nobody else is going to fact check. Yeah. Yeah. That is exactly what happened here. And, um, the, the bank executive who granted this loan did later resigned over this because it was such a big oversight. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so he has the 80 million. And so his next, he's like, okay, well that's half. Where, where's the other 85 million going to come from? And um, he strikes a deal with them to pay the other half in five installments of $16.5 million each. Um, So at this time, he's trying to make a bunch of additional cable deals uh, for TV rights. And it seems like his plan is to use the money from those deals to pay the installments. So, like, again, he's just trying to sort of generate money from nothing, which, like, when you have enough of this sort of perpetual motion behind you in the financial sector, it seems possible in ways that like me as a poor person, I don't understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's crazy. It's like this point. It's, it's like, I like, obviously I know there's, there's going to be a downfall because that's why we're talking about him. But at this point it's like, I don't see, I'm just like, I don't know. I, I can see him actually sticking the landing on this. It seems possible that he could have achieved it. Like, if things had gone a little bit differently, it seems like it might have worked. I mean, granted, yeah. I don't know what would have happened because he had gotten all these loans. I mean, I guess, like, he was... If the Islanders had been successful, he never would have been caught. But if they weren't successful, he might have been in trouble. Um, but, like, so he's trying to get these cable rights. Another thing that I think is so crazy is, like, another way that he was thinking about trying to get the money is he, he was... Um, starting work on a new arena because the Nassau Coliseum was like falling apart. It was like really a piece of shit. And um, so he's hoping to secure some contracts and use some of that money to pay uh, for the $17 million, which is like, it just blows my mind that if you have a big enough project, uh, building something can make you money instead of costing you money. Like that is, yeah. I don't understand how the flow of cash works in that direction, but somehow it does. Yeah, and then, and then the city still has to pay. Like, like, the, like these billionaires get to build these stadiums that ultimately make the money, and the city still has to foot the fucking bill, and they just convince them, like, oh, no, this is good for the city. And they're like, oh, okay. And it's like, it actually isn't. <laughs> yeah, and, like, and, and I don't know if I want to say to their credit, because there's, like, other forms of sort of corruption and, and problems going on with this, but, like, 
the reason that this scheme didn't work is because Nassau County bureaucracy is like really complicated and really entrenched and really about, you know, it's long building prep, like building projects in Long Island. It's like, yeah, you have to use the guys that the people who work in the government know, like it's yeah. Long Island. Like that's what everyone on Long Island does. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could just, yeah, imagine trying to bring in your own guys. You're like, no, I'm going to bring these guys. It's like, like, no, yeah. no, you're not. No, actually. you're bringing in my cousin, Mike. Like, shut yeah, the fuck yeah. up. <laughs> when you said he was going to start contracting shit, I was like, oh, please tell me. It's just like van loads of his cousins start pulling up. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you're bringing in the, the cousin of the Nassau County building inspector uh, to yeah. build your building or you're not getting your permit. Like, that's not yeah. how it's working. Yeah, hey, you do it. You'll never see me at work. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so that those plans go awry, and so he still doesn't have this money. So he needs the first installment of this money is due at the closing. So he is he needs to have sixteen and a half million dollars by closing. Uh, lo and behold, closing comes. He doesn't have it, and again, no. lo and behold, they don't care, and they let him close anyway because they're <laughs> so yeah, insane and shit. desperate. So yeah, he's like. He doesn't have it, and he tells them it's going to come tomorrow. So he's like, don't worry. It's on his way. He, sh- he shows them uh, a piece of paper from a bank in London that says the money's about to be wired out. Um, so the next day, it does come, but it's not $17 million. It's $1,700. And uh, he's just like, oh, no. Whoops. My mistake. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Damn, this, that's yeah. That's man, that's, that's, that's from like this. That's from like the school of like make the rent payment even though the money's not in the account just to stop the late fees and buy you some breathing time. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> and and thus begins a chain of increasingly ridiculous excuses on the on behalf of John Spano. And this is where things kind of start to fall apart because. Yeah, he does this seventeen hundred instead of seventeen million. He later does this with um, uh, he's supposed to be sending five million, and he accidentally, quote unquote, accidentally sends five thousand. Um, <laughs> oh, this man! This is my kind of guy. I love that. Yeah, he he is he ta- he's talking about in the in the documentary about who he's like. I just I was sitting in my in my bedroom in Dallas, and I we have this big grandfather clock in the room. And just every day, every night when I would go to bed, I would hear it ticking. And I would just be like, it was ticking, counting down of like, what's my next fucking excuse going to be? Because it is down to the wire, just like living on the edge every day. What am I going to tell these people? And he spins a yarn. Let me tell you, he gives them every (laughs) excuse you could think of. Um... My favorite is that he tells them, so he, he says that a lot of his money is in, in London. Um, and he, he tells them, um, that, uh, there's, there's an IRA bombing that happens in London around this time. And he's like, Oh, my courier, my courier was on the way with the money, but then there was an IRA bombing and they had to go back to the bank. Like, Man, just, you know you're down bad with like natural like, like when shit pops off of the news, you're like, yes, like I can use this. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. So yeah, just ridiculous and grim. And they're like, they let him go for like months. Like they are still waiting for this yeah. guy. 
And they're still like, okay, here it comes. But eventually their patience runs out. And, and by summer of 1997, um, the, the jig is basically up. Um, so the, the NHL's board of governors meets in, uh, in June 97. And instead of Spano, who was supposed to come, um, the Islanders are represented by two, uh, two associates of Pickett, the quote unquote former owner who yeah. they say that, um, so Spano owed, uh, he paid the 80 million and then he owed 16.5 million in, on top of that. And um, out of that sixteen point five million, he had paid twenty six thousand two hundred dollars. So <laughs> it's not like he got close. You know what I mean? Like no, yeah, not then, not even close. That's so tight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, so, but like, at what point? Like, what do you like? I, I mean, I guess I'll find out. But it's like, what do you even do at that point? Do you just say, "All right, beat it, Mister"? Like, does he? The, you know, like uh, that? Well, yeah. I guess what happens. I mean, it seems like at this point, they it it seems like it dawns on them very slowly that he is like fully a con man. I think for a while they think that he just has liquidity problems because like they yeah. see they've seen all of this quote unquote evidence as paperwork that he has all of this money and all these accounts, and they think he's just like he has liquidity problems that he can't like he he doesn't want to address with them because you know it's his yeah. business and whatever it's going to make him look bad yeah all, yeah he's that he's that far in that they can't even like they they they, they, can't, they won't even factor in the fact that he doesn't have it as being a possibility yeah like it takes them a really long time to sort of come to terms with that i think and um yeah man yeah so basically like the nhl commissioner finds this out and says like okay spano has to like remove himself from day-to-day control of the Islanders. He can't use any of the team assets until we can get to the bottom of this. So again, they don't remove him permanently. They're like, again, this yeah. is probably some kind of liquidity thing, but you can't be in charge until you pay this money. He's like, he said, he said to go get some stuff from his office. So I gave him the keys to the bins. Uh, he should be back at any moment. Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, and then this is sort of the total nail in the coffin is that, um, Newsday, which is uh, based on Long Island, um, gets a tip from an anonymous uh, Islanders executive that Spano is is dramatically misrepresenting his uh, his wealth, and so they launch um, a, a sort of journalistic investigation of of Spano, and there's an anecdote that I think is so funny. Um, that like while this story is being investigated, Spano gets wind that he's you know that this expose is going to come out. They try to reach him for comment, and Spano's like, "Meet me at this hotel bar in Manhattan. Like, come alone. Like, very you know sort of secretive, whatever. Like, I'll yeah, give you your yeah, comment, yeah. but you have to meet me." And he tells them he's like, "Look, please don't publish this. I have the money." But it's mafia money, and you're gonna get me killed if you if you report this. So like, just every last ditch attempt to yeah. to keep this from coming out. Um, yeah, Newsday. I, I the book, so you got you got to pick up this tab, and also exactly. three more cosmopolitans. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just completely also, absurd. Also, can I get a ride home? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't want them to trail me. So, can I get in your car and then you? <coughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just be safe, man. I should hang out at your house tonight. And you should go to mine. 
so yeah, like he obviously, so Newsday, like being based in Long Island, they like have reporters that know about organized crime. And so they like look into it and there's like absolutely no connection between this guy and the mafia. Like that is absolutely not what's going on. So they publish <laughs> this. Like he photoshopped himself into like a Godfather scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, total, yeah, fanfic at this point. Um, yeah. But yeah, they 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 published this big investigative piece in July of 97, basically saying like this guy is a total fraud. He doesn't have even a fraction of the money he says he does. Um, he, he, I mean, and the thing that is like so insane, like you said, is like that, that this guy's like fit, can't live up to his dreams or whatever. He had a net worth of $5 million. Like he was rich. He just wasn't (laughs) by a hockey team rich. Like, but he was doing fine. (laughs) Yeah. Don't go chase, don't go chasing hockey teams. Just stick to the. Airplane rental businesses that you're used to. Exactly. Well put, <laughs> Pat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. I've always said that. <laughs> so, yeah, like, uh, you know, he said he'd inherited all this money from his grandfather. That turned out to be a total lie. Um, his <laughs> his uh, firm, his bison group, the equipment rental place, had 22 employees, not 6,000. Um, well, yeah, I mean, okay, twenty-two, six thousand, you know, <laughs> ballpark. I can see. Oh it. yeah, rounding up. I mean, come on. I got twenty-two employees, but they all wear different hats and drive different cars, so it's a kind of it kind of looks like it's full parking lot. Right. I mean, look, they're all fulfilling a lot of different roles at the company, so yeah. really, it's like there are six thousand of them. <laughs> I love the, my employees so much. They are. It's as if I have 6,000 of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, after this Newsday article comes out, it is totally over for him. Um, the Basically, they have this mediation, and um, Pickett agrees not to sue Spano if uh, Spano will just, you know, drop the, drop the, the, you know, control of the Islanders. So he just voluntarily, yeah. like... Backs away uh, under the condition that he will not be sued. However, he is still subject to criminal prosecution, and uh, that he gets. So he. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say. I was like, for a second there, I was just like, if this was just like a no harm, no foul kind of nice thing, try. I was going to <laughs> kick my fucking iPad across the room. <laughs> if this was a no harm, no foul thing, I would try to buy the Islanders. Like, yeah. if you're just allowed to try, then like, I'll try. <laughs> yeah. I feel like um, it's like some like like lame ass like like success like quote you know like you know miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take like you yeah you know like if you just wake up every day and try to buy a mid to, to high level sports team every day for the rest of your life eventually something will happen. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's what this guy yeah. was going for, and uh, he got pretty close. <laughs> So I've been making a cash offer on the New Orleans Pelicans every day since (laughs) 2017. (laughs) So, um, he does, he is charged. Um, he, uh, he pleads guilty. Um, he admitted that he planned to defraud the Islanders and to forging documents. Um, he is let out on bail, uh, awaiting sentencing. And while he's awaiting bail, um, in 1999, his wife divorces him and he moves into a condo in Philadelphia uh, where he subsequently tries to pay his rent with an expired credit card 
$10,000 in bad checks and fraudulent wire transfers. So, oh, my man. It's all he knows. He knows it's the all way. he knows. That is, this is the <laughs> life he knows. Um, so, obviously, he loses his bail. And uh, he's sentenced to 71 months in federal prison, which is honestly not bad. Yeah, no, did. that's... Man, if you if you gotta like do a quick thing and even think of how many years it is, like it ain't that bad. Like, yeah, what is what is seventy seventy one months? What is that? Like five years? Five, uh, it's almost see. six Th- years. Thirty six. Yeah, thirty six is three. Thirty six is two. That's like right under. That's right under six six years. Yeah, right under six years. And uh, yeah. he's released early. He's released in June two thousand four. Um, however, less than a year later, he is arrested again for defrauding numerous companies by promising to obtain <laughs> loans for them and pocketing the fees without getting the loans. So, oh man. Just this well, guy you know, loves hey. to defraud people. He can't help yeah. it. <laughs> at least he's consistent at this point. Well, and there's one more even. So, he he he's arrested in February 2005. He goes back to jail for this fraudulent loan thing, and then he's released again on April 3rd, 2009. And then in 2013, he does the 30 for 30 I watched, where he's uh, he's talking to E from Entourage. Um, but then, two years after that, he pleads guilty to 16 counts of forgery and goes to back to jail for 10 years. So, oh, no. So he's still in jail. Uh, he is, he's currently, as of this writing, in jail. Yeah, in 2015, he created a bunch of false accounts um, when he was working as a salesman for a company that provided linens to healthcare facilities. So, you know, yeah. he just defrauded a bunch of hospitals. So great, great work, friend. Yeah, um, man, I'm, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, don't defraud uh, those guys. They're trying to do something. But, like, that's, man, you know, fraudulent accounts. Like, when you, when you work for a company, you start, like, whipping together, like, like completely made-up customers. The possibilities mm-hmm. are endless at that point. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. that's what he was doing. He, and he apparently he did it at least 16 times. So that's insane. It's like, there's nothing. One of the, the funniest, just like, I don't know, like, like methods of humor conveyance to me is a criminal or just somebody doing something and swearing up and down. They're never going to do it. And then doing it immediately. That's one of the funniest things in the world to me. And this, this guy, guy like, like can't do anything else. Like that is yeah, yeah. I clearly tell you, he honor, has a honor, honor, I have learned the lessons of my financial misdealings and underhandedness. <laughs> and I can assure you, you will never see me here ever again. The next day he's back. <laughs> That's what this guy did. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. That's the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so I do the last sort of little epilogue piece of this that I think is so funny is apparently like, so the reason this happened was basically like, obviously, as I said, this team was sort of desperate. Um, and then, but also, like, the NHL, like, sucks at this. So they, it was revealed after this happened that they'd spent about $750 evaluating Spanos credentials. Meanwhile, most leagues, if you try to buy a team, spend at least $30,000 trying to evaluate team owners. So, like, they spent $750. bucks, <laughs> like podunk shit absolute podunk that's shit that's insane yeah just like zero, yeah zero money goes in it goes into it it's like this huge it's, you know hundreds of million dollar uh, uh deal and they spent they spent under a grand figuring out this guy was legit or not yeah and then so like this obviously caused them to change some stuff but it didn't work because 
there have been multiple NHL owners who have been convicted of fraud in the last like decade. So like post Spano, <laughs> there was um, this guy, John Regas, who bought the Buffalo Sabres the next year in 97, only to have the league take over the franchise in 2002 because he was arrested for fraud. So yet another criminal owning a team. And then in 2007, the Nashville Predators, which is a terrible name that they should change, that I do not like the connotations <laughs> yeah, <right>. there. <laughs> what are you predating on, Nashville? Pretty spooky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the Nashville Predators were sp- sold to a group of people, um, including uh, one guy who had a 30% share in it, who uh, was later revealed to have fraudulently obtained the money to buy the team. He also went to jail, and I feel like they should have known uh, that he was going to do this because his name was William Boots Del Baggio the Third. Like, don't <laughs> don't sell your team to Boots Del Baggio. Like, Boots yeah, Del no, Baggio that guy is up to no good. Yeah. yeah. So he I, went I to like jail for eight years. Yeah, like hockey teams don't shoot cut videos like wrestlers do, but it's like the Predators mascot. It's like a, a guy in like a jacket with a collar popped over his face. He's like, when I catch you guys in Buffalo next weekend, I'm going to follow you to your car. <laughs> <laughs> really bad name. Really bad name. Doesn't help yeah, that, they were, that they were briefly owned by a criminal who is now in jail. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it seems yeah, like the NHL the Predators just... versus the Deviants you know, coming up. <laughs> Yeah, just seems like the NHL sucks at their jobs, is what I'm trying to say. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the hockey's good, but they're really bad at preventing uh, shady characters from buying their shadily named hockey teams. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's John Spano for you. Damn, John Spano, the man, the myth, the OG. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, worth it? Well, it seems like. If he just tried that, that would have been fine. But then he just continued to never try to pay for anything ever again. Right. And it seems like he's spending a lot more time in jail than out of it. So I'm going to say not worth it. For what he actually did, like just the Islanders part, I feel like worth it because the, um, the potential like payoff of that is so good. And the the downside of it isn't terrible. Like it's bad. But, like, you're going to white-collar federal prison. You're spending six years. You're getting out early for good behavior. Like, I don't know. Maybe worth a try. Maybe worth a try. But then, yeah, don't, like, become addicted to committing fraud. uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's a tough addiction to keep up. Yeah, yeah, that's a little crazy. Because, like, he's he's in jail right now, right? Yeah, yeah, he's back in jail. Yeah, so, you know, he's missing, like, clearly the glory days of America right now. So definitely not worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Don't I don't think so, but it, it's surprisingly uh close to being worth it, I think. Um Yeah. Yeah. Well shit. Thank you very much, Kath, for telling telling us about that. I I'm gonna be playing a show uh in Connecticut and seeing a bunch of my family and I will have something to talk about. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Um no, I think uh, this is coming out in like I think this is coming out like Thanksgiving week, so as far as plugs go um cool yeah i'll be i'll be back in austin at that point i'll be off the road uh but i do got a bunch of shows coming up in austin in december so i'll certainly be putting those up uh guys yeah if you guys uh are just joining us today this is uh what we do we talk about liars frauds thieves and bullshitters we do two free episodes a month and if you guys are interested you like what you hear you want to check out our patreon it's patreon.com slash lie cheat and steal and we've got a ton of 
ton of back episodes that you can listen to and you know you can hop on our um on our discord chat and show us fun stuff people are on there talking about scams and stuff it's a pretty cool place to be aside from that you can find me on the internet at at pztx on just about everything's p-e-z-y-t-x and uh also i have another podcast called good at plants bad at life where uh, a, a friend of mine who is a very gifted and knowledgeable conservationist and horticulturalist talks about all the crazy, wild, wonderful world of plants, and I just sit there and uh, and just get my mind blown once a week. So if you want to check that out, I'm out there too. And uh, Kath, you got anything else for us? Yeah, um, I also want to say our Patreon, we do two bonus episodes a month on there. So uh, if you like the show, you get double the amount of it if you sign up for our Patreon. Um I also have another podcast called What a Time to Be Alive, which is a weekly countdown of stupid news stories. Um, we have a Patreon for that as well. It comes out for free every Monday. Um, I have a show. Uh, my my book show, Paid Protest, is back. Um, it's a monthly fundraiser for uh, DSA working groups and various progressive causes around the New York City area. Um, December 10th at Secret Loft in New York City on 14th Street. Um, it's our first one post COVID, so I'm really, really excited about it. So definitely check that out. I will have more details about that on my Twitter, which is Kath Barbadoro. So follow me there for more info. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Yeah, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, give us a listen out there. Hope to see you guys out at some shows, or hope to catch y'all listening to uh, to our uh, some of our other podcasts. But guys, thanks for tuning in. Be safe out there. Be smart. Have a good holiday season. Enjoy yourself. But above all, don't get caught. Don't get caught. See you next time. Bye.